Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about the love for all his holy people and your faith In the Lord Jesus, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective and in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. This is the holy word of God. No, I don't need it. Thanks. Hey, well, good morning to everyone, and uh, happy 4th of July. Uh, it is great that we celebrate each year uh, our nation's independence, um, but as we do that, as followers of Christ, let us never forget Um, that when we express our faith, it's not a declaration of independence. It is a declaration of dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that every good thing that we enjoy and have is a gift from the hands of God the Father, not the least of which is the glorious salvation that is ours through faith in Christ. And so while we celebrate independence, let us also this morning declare our dependence on Jesus Christ and recognize that we, as his followers, um, we have been called uh, to live into the very best of what it means um, to share life together. As Tyler would say, Pastor Tyler, on mission together, but with Christ in the center. We're going to be starting a brand new sermon series uh, this week. This week, I'm just going to give a little bit of introduction. just want to kind of whet your appetite, kind of get you excited to want to come back. It's called Runaway Reconciliation, um, Friendship, Forgiveness, and the Power of the Gospel. And what we're going to do is we are going to do actually a verse-by-verse study in a very, very small letter called Philemon. In fact, many of you, you probably pass over it very quickly, you know, on your way to Hebrews, right? Um, But it's a a powerful letter, and really, in just some very short verses, uh, we see in this letter um, the true meaning of the gospel, and what it means to live the gospel 
in community together with Christ in the center. And, and so really, although it's a, a personal letter uh, between the Apostle Paul uh, and Philemon and his family and to the church that gathers in their home, uh, it, it really is a letter for all of us to read, those of us who are committed um, to loving one another, to walking in faith, a faith that expresses itself in a love that is the first fruit of the Spirit of God, right? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Number one, love, okay? And for those of us that are committed to that love and to walking in faith, celebrating uh, the gospel, living in community with Christ in the center. This letter really is a wonderful example of what that looks like. Okay? I am so excited to be sharing it with you. I know over the years that I've been here, uh, some of you have said, Pastor Todd, we really enjoy it when uh, you teach topically. Then other people will say, uh, we like it when you teach, uh, you know, kind of expository teaching or we like you to teach verse by verse. Everyone has their preference on how they like the pastor to preach, right? Uh, and so, uh, over the course of these past several years that I've been with you, I've tried to do a little bit of everything. And so, for those of you that want a book study, those of you that want more of a verse by verse exposition, uh, this next month, that's what you're going to get, okay? I can do that too. Really, I can. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. But I want to say this as we start, by just way of introduction, and again, we're just going to introduce where we're going to be heading in the book of Philemon. For me, there's few things more beautiful or more powerful than when Christians live together in true Christian community, right, with Christ in the center. Now, in John 13, 35, Jesus says this, that the whole world will know you're my disciples by the size of your church building. By the number of people that attend on Sunday morning. Uh, by the Bible studies that you have. Of course not, because the Bible as we know it didn't even exist then, okay? So what is it? People will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, by your love for one another. And when Christians are loving one another, what you really see in real life played out is the reality and the power of the Gospel. It truly is. And so, it's no surprise that as Paul writes to the Galatians and Galatians chapter 5, and, and he begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The very first fruit is what? Love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as you know, um, they call it the love chapter because the topic of that chapter, the focus of that chapter is love. Paul says to the Corinthians, listen, you can be incredibly gifted. You can do great things for the Lord. You can even die a martyr's death. But if love is absent from your life, all that other stuff, my paraphrase, 
is just a bunch of noise. It doesn't amount to anything. And so what we're going to see in uh, our study in um, the book of Philemon is the character of the person, right, who forgives. Because forgiveness is a central theme in this book. Uh, It's one of four letters that Paul wrote uh, during a two-year imprisonment in Rome. We call that uh, the prison epistles, right? And as he wrote these, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, he's writing while under house arrest in Rome, uh, roughly from 60 to 62 A.D., okay? And what you're going to find here is the connection between Philemon, the letter he writes to the church in Philemon's house, and to the epistle uh, to the Colossians. Because it's believed that the house church that was in Philemon's home was in Colossae. In fact, many scholars think that both these letters were sent together at the same time. Okay? So what we're going to find as we study Philemon, we're going to see references, and we're going to reference back uh, to the book of Colossians. And you're going to see some themes um, that are are uh, very similar in both letters. Okay? But as we read through this, and as we study through this together, I'm reminded of, of how important it is that love is central to the character of one who forgives. People who forgive, people who are willing to initiate forgiveness, whether they have been wronged, right? Um, regardless of the hurt that that wrong has called, people who initiate forgiveness, who walk in forgiveness, who extend forgiveness to others, are people who know how to love well. Love. Love is a central part of the character of one who forgives. And that love has its origin in faith. Faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And in the Gospel message that Christ proclaimed, that Christ lived out, and the forgiveness that God extends to us through Him. God's forgiveness on our behalf through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through His sacrifice on the cross. And so it's our faith in Christ, our belief in His work on the cross for you and for me, for the forgiveness of our sin, that 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 faith generates and expresses itself in a love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul writes to the Corinthians about reconciliation, he says, it's the love of God that compels us to do the work, to be Christ's ambassadors of reconciliation in the world. Right? As if God were at work reconciling the world to Himself through us. Because He is. And so, two central aspects of a person's character 
One who forgives is love and faith. Both those are present. Paul recognizes both of those um, in the character uh, of Philemon to, who he, to whom he writes this very short epistle. Okay? Um, forgiveness, again, is the central theme. And as we read through the Gospels, as we read through the New Testament uh, epistles, we see over and over and over and over again this theme of love, right? And our ability to and our willingness to extend forgiveness to others, for forgiveness and for reconciliation to be present within the body of Christ, um, love is central. Love is central. Now, love transcends culture. Love transcends ethnicity. Love transcends social status or economic status. And it's interesting that as Paul begins to write this letter, in verse 1 he says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Paul, again, is in house arrest in Rome. He is with Timothy, who is there to aid him. To Philemon, our dear friend. Now notice that word, friend, our dear friend. We'll talk more about that next week. But friendship, the friendship that Paul has with Philemon is really key to how he fashions this letter, how he writes, and, and, and what he's going to request in the way he does it. Our dear friend and fellow worker, why? Because there's a house that meets in Philemon's church, um, a church that meets in Philemon's house. Do you know Christians didn't worship in buildings per se until about the third century? A.D., okay? Prior to that, they met in people's homes. There were house churches. And so Philemon had a house church in Colossae. Paul says that you're my fellow worker. And to Apphia, our sister, that is Philemon's wife. And to Archippus, our fellow soldier. Most likely, that is Philemon's son. And the reason he has the designation fellow soldier is because he apparently is a, a person committed to teaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So he's a teacher of the gospel. He's a fellow soldier along with Paul and Timothy right, in the work of the Lord. And so you see this family, a husband, a wife, and a son. And they host this house church. Now I want you to notice something. Paul is a, a Hebrew. He's a Jew. Right? Well, he also has Roman citizenship, but I mean, he would claim Judaism. And, and then you have this family, Philemon, Apphia, and Archippus, and they are Gentile converts to the Christian faith. 
And Paul is going to be writing to this family, specifically to Philemon, on the subject of forgiveness related to a person whom Paul came across during his Roman imprisonment and who was formerly a member of the house of Philemon, a runaway slave named Onesimus. And so, in the very first few verses of this letter, you see the Gospel transcending what? Ethnicity, culture, social status. Because you have a Jew writing to a converted Gentile about a runaway slave. About the topic of forgiveness as it relates to the church. And as it relates to the church, it becomes a model of what the church looks like and how the church is to live with Christ in the center. Isn't that amazing? Check this out. Galatians chapter 3. First reference. Galatians 3.28. This is what Paul says. Now I want you to read this and think about these first few verses we just read. First couple verses here in Philemon. And, and see the correlation, the relationship between the two. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. Right? For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So what do you see here? You see Jew. You see Gentile. You see male. You see female. Right? And they're going to be talking about the subject of a slave. And they're all one in who? Christ Jesus. So folks, this is more than than just doctrine, okay? This is a mosaic of what the church looks like when it breaks down the barriers of ethnicity, of gender, of culture, of social economics, of social status. Amazing thing. We see it right away here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses grace and peace as a greeting in each of His epistles. Because grace, we're saved by what? Grace through faith, not of ourselves, that no one can boast. Results in peace with God and peace with one another as we share life together with Christ in the center. So Paul, in his letters, uses this as a common greeting. Grace and peace to you. Both are present in the lives of those who are Christ's followers and central to Christian community. Grace and peace. So he uses that. Verse 4, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear more about your love for all His people and your faith. Notice, I hear about your love for all His people and your faith in who? The Lord Jesus. Central, right, to the character of one who forgives is love and faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith... By the way, do you know that we're partners together in the faith? Do you know that? Isn't that a good thing? Paul writes, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding 
of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Now, he's setting him up here. Because he's talking about the friendship, the partnership, the, the love and the faith. And about that deepening his understanding, Philemon's understanding about every good thing that we share in Christ. And that's going to move here quickly as he gets to the point of the letter. Forgiveness. Forgiveness in the body of Christ. Forgiveness that we extend to one another. Because of our character in which there is love and faith. Then he goes on to say, verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. So, what has Philemon's love done for Paul? It's given him great joy and it's given him encouragement. Because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wouldn't that be great? If people said of you and of me, man, Stephanie, she refreshes the heart of the Lord's people. Wow. I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing to be said of someone? Shouldn't we all aspire to that? That we would be givers of refreshment in the Lord Jesus Christ through love and faith to those who are His people. Wow. That's good stuff. Now, let's step back. Paul obviously takes seriously the call to love, the call to faith, the call to refreshing the Lord's people, the difference that that we make as we relate to one another in Christian community, central to our character, love and faith, right? In the Lord Jesus Christ, and love for the Lord Jesus Christ that results in love for one another. And that love for one another results in a willingness to express that love through forgiving one another because forgiveness is central to the unity of the body of Christ. You present to me any faith community that has a problem with unity and I'll show you a forgiveness problem somewhere in that church. Without exception. Okay? That's why this is so central to our lives of faith. That's why these 24 verses are such an important encouragement and exhortation and admonishment to us that our love might be expressed in forgiveness. But let's look at this. It goes all the way back to the teaching of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 through 48. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Right? He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, let your faith come to completion, to fullness. even as our Heavenly Father through Christ models that for us. It's no big deal if you love someone who loves you. 
The tax collectors do that. It's no big deal if you welcome into fellowship someone who is already your friend, someone you already consider one of your own people, because you know what? Non-believers do that. What makes the Christian faith so compelling, why will they know us, right? Because of our love for one another and how that love expresses itself to those around us. It's different than the tax collector's love. It's different than the ordinary person who welcomes and greets and loves someone who they already know and is comfortable with is already a part of their clan or family or neighborhood. Christian love is distinctive from that. That's what Jesus is saying. But then it goes on. Luke 17, 3-4. Love expresses itself in forgiveness. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Right? Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent. I want your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. What's it say to do? Oh, sorry. I forgive you the first time. Not this time. This is number seven. Go away. Does it say that? It says forgive them. Now this is key. Because what we're going to read in our letter here, Philemon, Paul is going to be sending this runaway slave named Onesimus, whose name literally means useful. Okay? Useful. The one who is useful. He's going to send Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter. And Onesimus has offended Philemon in multitude of ways. We'll get into that. And Philemon is, or Onesimus is going to go back with this letter with a contrite heart asking forgiveness. But the letter is instruction to Philemon on how he's to respond. Okay? How should he respond? He should forgive him for all the offenses that Onesimus brought against Philemon. All right, let's look at the next verse Luke 23 34 through 35. I think I love about Jesus is Jesus just doesn't say, do this. He doesn't say, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus teaches and then models what He teaches. And here it is on the cross. Look what He does. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And it says they divided up His clothes and began casting lots. And the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at Him and they said, He saved others. Let Him save Himself if He is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. How ironic. The very fact that He didn't save Himself was because of His commitment to saving others. And here, Jesus models what it means to forgive. Can you imagine? Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The grace and the mercy and the humility of our Lord as He models that. 
powerful stuff. Guess what? He expects the same of us. Not in our own power or strength because it's impossible, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the heart, the transformed heart of one who's a follower of Christ, enabled by His Spirit. And then we see Acts 7, 59-60. Stephen, who is the very first martyr in the Christian church, he's being stoned, and as the men are stoning him, Saul of Tarsus, who is to become the Apostle Paul, is, is holding on to the cloaks of the men and he's giving favor and he's telling them, please go ahead, do this. Egging them on. And here is Stephen, the first martyr in the Christian church. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. That word fell asleep is an expression used in the New Testament of those who have died in Christ. Okay, that's what that means. It didn't mean he fell asleep. It meant he died. He died in Christ. He fell asleep. But what did Stephen do? Do you see the, the similarity between what Stephen did and what Jesus did? Do you see that? Now you can say, well, that's easy for Jesus to forgive like that. He's the Son of God. Of course He would forgive. He's supposed to. He's Jesus. But who is Stephen? Stephen wasn't God incarnate. Stephen was one who had faith in the God incarnate. Who indwelt with the Holy Spirit could love like the God incarnate with a supernatural love that led him to forgive those who were stoning him. As he died, he says, forgive them. Do you think forgiveness is important in the body of Christ? Yeah. All right. One last scripture Colossians 3.13. You remember this. We went through this. A couple months ago, I went, I went through a study, a verse-by-verse -verse study of Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17, 18. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Remember what I, what I shared with you? That, that word, bear with one another, literally means, in the, in, the, in the original language, it means put up with one another. That's what it means. Put up with one another. Okay? And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, now check this out. Forgive as who? The Lord forgave you. We, we say something, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And we say that forgive us our sins or debts or trespasses, depending on your faith tradition as we forgive those who sin or trespass, right? Against us. So we're saying to the Lord, Lord, the measure of forgiveness that we extend to others, You, You do that for me. Think about what we're saying. Think about the implications. Think about what it means to forgive as the Lord forgives us. Okay, runaway reconciliation. 
Next week, we're going to continue on uh, in the book of Philemon. If you've not read it, uh, go ahead and read that. And uh, we're going to continue in the book next week. I'd say just read a few verses, but it only consists of a few verses. But go ahead and read it, and we're going to talk more about it next week. But at least today you've got some central themes, haven't you? Okay, well, it's no coincidence that this morning we come to the Lord's table. And we think about Jesus gathering with His disciples the night before He used to go to the cross and die. And He wants to leave for them imagery that they'll remember, and then He encourages them to practice it. And you know that what's practiced that night is practiced today, right here at Community Covenant Church. I mean, you can just trace it for centuries. Two millennium followers of Christ have followed His model in that last meal He enjoyed with His disciples. And during the, the meal, he, he took bread and He gave thanks. And then He broke it, foreshadowing what was to happen in a very short time as He went to His death on the cross. And He said, this is My body which is broken for you. Okay? Eat this in remembrance of Me. Then He takes the cup and He says, this is the cup of the new covenant right? which is poured out in My blood. Whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of Me. So that whenever we come to the table and we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we declare Christ's sacrifice for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. We declare His forgiveness that He models for us. Until He comes again. And you know what? He is coming again. He's coming again. As you come this morning to the table, come expecting to encounter the One who gave His very life for you. Whose love was so great that it was expressed in forgiveness through an act of death on the cross. That His shed blood would cleanse us from our sin. And as we come to this table, may we come to meet our Savior and may our prayer be, Lord Jesus, in the power of Your Holy Spirit, may my character, may our character reflect Your very own. Help me, help us to forgive each other even as You have forgiven us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for examples uh, such as the book of Philemon that teach us about the character of the One who forgives and, and how central to that is love and faith. Lord, love that refreshes those who, 
who share Christian community with us. And Father, how refreshing the act of forgiveness is as we initiate or receive forgiveness one to the other. Lord, would You help us to be better lovers of one another. And may that be modeled through acts of forgiveness. And Father, where we're struggling or having a hard time, Father, would You just keep nudging us forward? Would You help us just to to keep moving in that direction? We fail, Lord, in our own strength, but only in Your strength can we forgive as You've forgiven us. Father, we receive now these elements as a reminder of that great forgiveness for the salvation, for the reconciliation, for the restoration that is ours through Christ Jesus. May each of those be hallmark of our community together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.